0: This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. Today, I as a retired attorney, no longer practicing law but acting as an insurance claims consultant and an insurance claims expert would like to talk about the unethical lawyer as a criminal. This is is going to be based upon the decision of the California Court of Appeal called Gottlieb versus the Superior Court, a 1991 decision. I knew Kenneth Gottlieb when I was a young adjuster and as a defense lawyer, as a person who was suspected of acting as a serious fraud perpetrator. After many years defrauding insurers, Gottlieb was eventually arrested. As the Court of Appeal noted in its brief and opinion, Gottlieb delayed trial after his arrest for many years. The prosecution and the court finally insisted that he submit to trial. He then caused his lawyers to file a petition for a writ of mandate stopping the trial. Writ of mandate is an exceptional trial tactic where a court of appeal orders a uh, trial court to do or not do something that the parties want. It was not successful, and Gottlieb refiled his mandate petition. Gottlieb, a felony defendant, asked the court of appeal to reconsider his challenge to the denial of his speedy trial motion. Because the court viewed Gottlieb's first petition to be totally without merit and viewed the refiling of the petition with one additional exhibit to be unwarranted, it issued an order directing defendants' appellate counsel trope and trope to show cause why monetary sanctions should not be imposed against it. The premise of Defendant Gottlieb's claim of denial of a speedy trial is that a delay of 10 years from his indictment to commencement of trial, together with the attendant stigma and stress of long-pending charges, constitutes a denial of his speedy trial rights, even though he caused or consented to every delay and never asserted an objection to the delay prior to the filing of his motion to dismiss. The new petition was denied as frivolous, and monetary sanctions were imposed against appellate counsel. The facts that brought about this final attempt to stop an actual trial started in September 1981, when Gottlieb, an attorney, was indicted by a grand jury on 92 felony counts of insurance fraud. The various counts alleged a conspiracy to commit numerous acts of insurance fraud, forgery, grand theft, and attempted grand theft against numerous insurance carriers and claimants. On May 2, 1991, Nearly 10 years after Gottlieb was indicted, and only 13 days before a May 15 trial date, Gottlieb filed a motion to dismiss for denial of his state and federal speedy trial rights. The delay was not claimed to have prejudiced the defense case. The defendant Gottlieb was at all times at liberty, And from my personal experience, probably continuing his work as counsel to, as well as a party to, insurance fraud. The evidence presented by Gottlieb showed that all delay was either caused by defense motions for continuances, joint motions for continuances, vacated trial dates, Defense motions to set aside the information in 1985 and to recuse the district attorney he filed in 1991, and the addition of a second private defense counsel, Trope and Trope. None of Gottlieb's exhibits suggested that the prosecution occasioned any delay, let alone delay without good cause. The court docket sheets showed that these continuances were always upon stipulation of the parties. Three days after denial of the first petition, defendant Gottlieb refiled. The Court of Appeal concluded that there was no possible merit to the defense theory that the criminal justice system must engage in self-flagellation by dismissing serious prosecutions because a defendant who has claimed good cause for and stipulated to a long series of delays later claims the trial court and prosecution denied him a speedy trial by granting the delays he sought. Defendant Gottlieb actively caused the 10-year delay and clearly did not want to go to trial. Here there is more than mere acquiescence of defendant in the delay occasioned by the prosecution. Gottlieb was at all times represented by privately retained counsel and was promptly advised of his indictment. Gottlieb, an attorney, caused or consented to all the delays in his prosecution. He is charged with felony offenses involving moral turpitude. If convicted, his state bar license would certainly be revoked or suspended for a considerable time. During the pendency of the prosecution, he continues his ability to earn his livelihood practicing law and had no reason to even consider opposing the delays. That Gottlieb continued to make serious money while under indictment was confirmed by the fact that his moving papers included a declaration of attorney Alan M. Dershowitz, listed as of counsel on the mandate petitions. This declaration states in the most general terms the defendant's federal speedy trial contention is a legitimate argument because the state bears primary responsibility for bringing defendants to a prompt trial. The declaration was at most a statement of conclusion and a most general treatment of the issue. When Gottlieb's counsel sought immediate and special attention from the court. By filing a request for a stay two days before the trial, the court expected counsel not to hinder its screening of the emergency petition by failing to provide apparently available exhibits or information. The court considered the total lack of merit of the first petition, defendant's pattern of delay, and the fact that petitioner requested an immediate stay of an imminent May 15 trial. The court stated it was mindful that criminal defense attorneys are charged with the duty of asserting on behalf of their clients all theories having possible merit. But this duty does not validate, the court stated, or excuse petitions for extraordinary writ review that are patently frivolous, ignore clearly controlling law, and are filed at such a time and in such a manner as to require the court to conclude that the petition was filed with the intent to delay and harass the courts and the prosecution. The petition for writ of mandate filed May 15, 1991, was obviously and with good cause denied. Gottlieb went to trial and was convicted shortly after the decision was made to deny his writ of mandate. He served a short period of time in jail, voluntarily gave up his license to practice law before they could take it away, and shortly thereafter went into business as a law clerk and procurer of fraudulent auto accident and insurance claims business for other lawyers. In that regard, consider the case called In Ray Oheb, a state bar decision in 2004. Oheb was one of those Gottlieb illegally partnered with who was disciplined by the California Supreme Court in a highly informative opinion. Mr. Oheb had serious debts to pay, including the mortgages for himself and his sickly parents. Oheb was tempted by Gottlieb and agreed, in violation of California law, to split the attorney fees on each case Gottlieb referred to Oheb with 25% to Oheb and 75% to Gottlieb a split that should have caused Oheb considerable concern. Even though he was probably the most naive lawyer in the state of California, that lawyer would know that it is a crime to split attorney's fees with a non-lawyer, especially one who was a convicted felon, who told the lawyer he was, quote, buying cases close quote, for the lawyer to pursue. An honest person, even one newly admitted to the bar, would have run away from the offer directly to the police. The decision in In Re Oheb, the state's discipline, was based upon the fact that Oheb met met Kenneth Gottlieb, whose conviction and jailing was not a deterrence to his criminal conduct. Gottlieb was described to Oheb only as a former attorney who could increase Oheb's practice. He was told that Gottlieb had a huge book of business, that he was willing to refer to Oheb and that he was willing to teach Oheb how to litigate. Oheb and Gottlieb agreed at the meeting to split the attorney's fees on each case Gottlieb referred to Oheb. 25% to Oheb, 75% to go Gottlieb whenever Gottlieb had to buy the case or otherwise had to pay money to someone in connection with the case, and 50% each whenever Gottlieb did not have to buy the case or otherwise have to pay for some expense relating to the case or whenever Gottlieb brought the case from a specific individual who did not charge much for the cases. In total, Gottlieb referred 50 to 60 automobile accident injury cases involving 150 plaintiffs to OHEP. Virtually all of the Gottlieb refer cases were based on fraudulent insurance claims arising from staged automobile accidents under a sophisticated scheme. The hearing judge for the state bar concluded that Oheb permitted Gottlieb to work on the cases Gottlieb brought into the office with very little supervision or instruction. In addition to having Gottlieb appear with clients when their statements were taken, Respondent Oheb had Gottlieb negotiate the settlements in the cases he brought into the office. During his 14-month association with Gottlieb, Oheb's practice increased substantially. In total, Oheb paid Gottlieb about a $148,000. About 7,500 in 1997, 127,098, and 13,800 in 1999 is Gottlieb's 75% share of the attorney's fee. This video was adapted from my book, The Little Book on Ethics for the American Lawyer, available from Amazon.com as both a paperback and as a Kindle book. It is also available through my website, Zelma on Insurance, by clicking on the link to the Insurance Claims Library. Thank you for your attention. And please understand that criminal lawyers are rare and should be removed from the practice of law when they are discovered.